Hello, I'm Anna Bukitska. And I'm Clarice Lutgrey. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, we find out how Elsa created her cabinet of curiosities and two AHS universes collide. Today's episode is titled Orphans and was written by co-creators Ryan Murphy and Brad Felchuk and directed by Bradley Bucher, who has been a regular director on the show. There's been a long run of episodes written by Murphy and Falchuk this season. Like in the last couple of episodes, they've all been co-written by them. They said, we'll handle this. Yeah. (laughs) We don't trust you. So, I mean, where should we start? Because this is a very... It's a very sad, but sort of a contained episode compared to what usually happens at this point in an American Horror Story season where shit starts getting thrown at the walls and people are dying left, right, and center because it feels like someone forgot that they had so many active characters going on. Yeah, this is like a normal TV episode. Yeah. (laughs) You know how, like, normal TV is? No. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I really like this episode. I think it's the the saddest Mm. American Horror Story has been, and I would argue gets from this point on. Bold. But I don't Mm. disagree. So... Let's begin the way that the episode begins, I guess, with the death by natural causes. I feel like it's necessary to explain that in in American Horror yeah, Story Dandy's Canada. Dandy's not here. Dandy's D- away. <laughs> no clowns, no ghost daddies, no serial killers were involved. It's a perfectly, you know, peaceful, natural cause death. So Salty, who is Pepper's husband, dies peacefully in his sleep. And that's how we begin the episode with Pepper mourning him and Elsa recounting how she, how they met, how she adopted Pepper, how she found her, how she found Salty for her. So what do you make of, well, this whole kind of mourning opening? Yeah, it's genuinely like it is really sad and it's it's interesting like Naomi Grossman's performance Mm. as Pepper because like there are a lot of conversations to be had about this idea of like mimicking disability right like having an able body actor like try to pretend to to do something else and put on all this makeup and and you know transform in air quotes Mm -hmm. but I think to Naomi Grossman's credit like she in this season and also in Asylum has always been very sensitive towards the character and and I think has really invested herself in the character and I think I think that's I think that's the primary reason that that culturally I don't think has ever really been much back 
backlash to this character, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like most people are pretty okay with Peppa. And yeah, I really think it, it is her performance and it's and and this this whole episode, I think, and especially mm. this opening scene is just really beautifully acted and it's just like you just feel her loss so profoundly. I feel like you're very you're very right in the sense that if it doesn't feel um exploitative because not only has Pepper been one of the the consistent characters both in Asylum and, and here, a bit in the background quite a lot. But in this episode, there was so much space given for her feelings. And even though she's not a character who can vocalize or express herself, she can't really speak. There was so much emotion in her face, in her performance. And I think to Elsa's credit, who I know we've already cancelled about seven times throughout <laughs> our revisiting of the season, this is, I don't know how you felt about it, but I, I felt like this was the only time where she seemed to not dehumanize someone. Like she would, it felt like when she was talking about how she met Pepper, it felt like she actually cared for her and understood kind of was empathetic to her needs yes although <laughs> oh god <laughs> i'm so distressed <laughs> Elsa. um i i have one thing to potentially undermine this I'm... relationship go on it's, well you know the reason she adores pepper so much and is so protective of her is that she says it's the first time that she felt unconditional love and it's a bit like yeah this is a human being not a dog you know like <laughs> I, I i found that light really like mm, i'm suspicious of your motives now because what well, you just like pepper because you again you don't she's i'm not sure she sees her as as a fully like rounded human i mean as always you are not wrong uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, so <laughs> no, I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong. I do. Maybe I'm giving the the character development here a bit more credit, but I did think that perhaps because she does mention that Pepper was, you know, quote unquote, her first freak, the first one of her menagerie of the cabinet of curiosities. So I feel like perhaps it was the beginning of her being so. I don't know, maybe dehumanizing towards these people that she is, you know, she thinks of herself as a mother to and a protector of, but really she treats them like assets and, and almost like pets. You know, we spoke quite a lot about Mapetit, but there was something a little bit maybe about the time that she invested in kind of getting to know Pepper and gaining her trust, whether it's like with with other characters she just kind of arrives at whatever sanitarium they're staying at and sort of just goes just give me that one with her little devil bag and then <laughs> goes on a merry way and nobody really protests because you know they are kind of very disenfranchised by the by the systems but here it's like it's implied to me that there's quite a lot of time in between her finding pepper and then taking pepper home with her that's fair. I th I think you're right as well. I think we're both right. I think we're both right. <laughs> that there is definitely something different about her relationship with Pepper and there is a sincerity to it and mm. a purity to it 
But I think part of that is driven by this idea that she believes that Pepper will be loyal to her, whatever happens. Yes. So I think it's it's a combination of both. Very true. And what do you make of, you know, we the episode kind of uses Salty's passing and the backstory of Pepper to tell us also about how Elsa created the Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah, can I can I make a side <laughs> a side observation uh-huh. of something that really bothered me in this episode? Go on. So Alice is talking to Stanley and she's putting on her cold cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then okay, this might just be me, but then she takes a tissue and she <laughs> wipes the cold cream off with the tissue. That to me is repulsive. Okay, there's there's like two different things to unpack here, Clarice. First of all, is it is it cold cream as in like moisturizer or is it cold cream as in like a face mask? Well, cold cream, I think. I think she was taking off the excess because from yeah. cold cream is, is moisturizer, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a thicker type of moisturizer. That's how I always understood it, yeah. But the, t- and you're putting it on the tissue and you're going to get bits of tissue on your face. Do you see where I'm going? I see where <laughs> you're going. <laughs> but I will I will take your cold cream repulsion and I will raise you a very good, very hydrating uh face mask that I have used with like a, an avocado face mask by Kiehl's where you actually have to like they tell you you have to smother your face in it. That's not the word they use, but you know what I mean. You have to put a lot of it on your face and then you take off the excess with a tissue. I just, this is the thing, the cold cream is not the issue, it's the tissue, the t- why, <laughs> why, a, t- a flannel, yes, a tissue is going to disintegrate and it's going to get on your face, it really, like, viscerally, I have, like, a weird visceral thing about tissues, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like, I was, like, physically distressed watching her do it. <laughs> I love it because everyone has those little things and this is yours and I didn't Chime even in. notice. <laughs> Has- hashtag next Supremes. Please tell me if anyone else is like repulsed by the idea of, of removing excess moisturizer with a <laughs> tissue. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. We can get back to the episode now. <laughs> what, what, was, what was my question? <laughs> um... Well, we were talking about Elsa's the backstory. Backstory, um, the Teutonic chanteuse. Oh yes, I mean, she she loves giving herself, you know, monikers and names because nobody else has. Yeah, and and the fact that she says, "I need to be in charge." Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Red flag. (laughs) I mean, you know. Girl bossing it? (laughs) She is is a girl boss. She actually is. She is quite an embodiment of the girl boss, like, industrial complex in many ways, both in the toxic ways and the self-congratulatory ways. Yeah. Yeah, she basically, she starts off as a chorus girl. Yes. And she pushes a lady over. (laughs) Ruthless. Or (laughs) assertive. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> then she she gets Pepper. Then she gets, oh, the scene. 
this scene with Marpeti, um I'm just gonna go ahead and say it's racist, right? Yes. <laughs> it was really like this seems incredibly unnecessary. And what is otherwise I know I've been making fun of it a lot. What otherwise is a really nice, well written episode. I like do you think that actually happened or do you think this is Elsa making up her own fantasy of herself? That's quite possible because the whole because so she says that a Maharaja visits the the circus that she's at. Yeah. Uh, visits her cabinet of curiosities. Which again is like, why? <laughs> why would he do that? Um So potentially. It seems like such a bizarre like oh my cabinet was so famous and so important that this very big and you know rich maharaja came to visit it why would a maharaja come to jupiter in florida why yeah i think she mentions that he's not he's like the richest man in the world yeah like come on elsa come on I'd agree with you. It is like pretty racist, or at least like, at the very least, if if icky, just icky. Yeah, like it gets points because it 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 does point out that the British Empire is shitty and oppressive. You get one point for that. Minus a hundred points for the whole thing, where he says, "Ah, no, Mapati is untouchable." Um. Oh, actually, three cases of Dr. Pepper, sure. Because Dr. Pepper is... Dr. I, I love Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's my favorite soft drink. It's not that good. I love Dr. Pepper, but, like, seriously, why is this such a, you know, revelation? Because he's, ri- he's the richest guy in the world. Why would he be impressed by Dr. Pepper? <laughs> exactly. Also, can he just, like... Why would he have to give up Mapetit for these? He could literally just buy her. He could buy Elsa and her whole circus. Or he could just buy Dr. Pepper elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, or like buy the formula for Dr. Pepper. He could. So yeah, that I, it's really hard for me to read that scene and not be like, oh, this is just some like weird racist. Like, yeah. Oh, America, I'm so impressed. Bullshit. And... Speaking of backstories, we also get a little bit more on Maggie and how she got to meet Stanley and they became <laughs> this weird daddy-daughter grifter partnership. Because <laughs> she was a newsie. She was a newsie! <laughs> <laughs> get your paper, get your paper! <laughs> she was a pickpocket newsie. Sidebar, have you seen the film Newsies? Not for a very long time. I need to see this film because Sarah Marshall on the You're Wrong About podcast universe will not stop talking about it and I need to see it. It's a musical about Newsies with Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, And they sing about seizing the day. (laughs) And there's one woman in it. it. Is it Emma Roberts? 
And she could play that. <laughs> she could play that part. I believe it was on Broadway pre-pandemic. So <laughs> she wanted to be in Newsies. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. I just find Maggie one of the most boring characters to have ever appeared in any AHS season that we've covered so far. I'd like. I have. I've got nothing on her. I'm like nothing about you is interesting. Not even the fact that you were a newsie. Yeah, and she's uh, this episode. Like she's really acting out of line. What do you mean? I would feel like well. Um, in this, I mean, this is jumping forward slightly, but mm-hmm. she has that scene um with Desiree and yeah. Angus, her like mm-hmm. lovely new beau who we all love, mm-hmm. and they're just like lovely and being in love, just having a great time. They go in for a, a reading. <laughs> She's like, "You're gonna live so happy and get married and get a white picket fence, but then eventually it will just suck and you'll get divorced because everything sucks and life isn't worth it." And da da da, and it's just like. Oh my god. I'm sorry your boyfriend cheated on you, but Jesus Christ, like you also, know <laughs> Also like like her boyfriend cheated on her, you know, quote unquote whatever. But I'm not excusing any behavior here, but I'm also just saying, Maggie, maybe like help your boyfriend who's just lost his mother and found out about his dad who is incredibly problematic and violent. He's got. He's going through a lot. Also, that's the thing. Everyone in this situation has been through a lot, much more than Maggie, who she's like, you know, she had to be a newsie. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard, I'm sure. But she's in a circus full of people who are so oppressed that they cannot be a part of like standard society. And maybe loosen up a little bit, like you're still also, an able-bodied white woman. <laughs> and also, because this is also the episode where Stanley cons Jimmy into letting him cut off his hands to pay for his lawyer services, and then Maggie sees them at the museum and has a big meltdown. Even though. Just a couple of scenes earlier, Bet and Dot came into her tent and were like, "Hey, have our money that what did they take it from Daddy? I don't know where they got the money, but hey, have all this <laughs> money to pay for the lawyer and she has and she's like, "Oh, maybe he'll give you a big kiss at the end like what is her what is her problem? <laughs> Maggie is not okay, and to be honest, I don't care, yeah, I just really I like you know. I'm not one to ever invalidate someone's feelings about something. <laughs> but I wish this character had some sense of self-awareness of where she is right now and the kind of people she's interacting with before she boo-hoos because of her boyfriend. <laughs> I'm going to invalidate Maggie's feelings right now. <laughs> I am. Like, chill out, Maggie. You really should be, you know, doing a bit more and moaning a bit less. Also, this is all her own fault. Yeah, she's... This a- is- her fault. <laughs> yeah, <Sorry. laughs> she, it really is because she's like part of the. She you know she's the con woman with the who's developing like a heart and getting herself attached to these people that she was gonna literally murder and maim. Oh my god, Maggie. Okay, but 
the other big thing, you know, we kind of started talking about pepper and salty, but this is the episode that connects Freak Show to Asylum. And it's always been there because obviously Pepper is, you know, the same character from Asylum. But there is a scene where we get all the background about how Pepper ended up at Briarcliff. And we get to see Sister Mary Eunice again. <laughs> she comes to pre, visit pre pre, pre demon. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of this connection with asylum like the way that they connect the two seasons very explicitly in this episode i really like it i think it's the one of the best connections there is like it some of the other ones later on that we'll get to are a little bit sloppy (laughs) (laughs) but this one like it made total like it made total sense that this would be pepper's story Mm -hmm. emotionally like logically historically like it all fits together really nicely Mm -hmm. i really like it and also i mean pepper's life after elsa gives her up for adoption is hellish in a in a in a series populated with bad mothers mayor winningham really does play some of the worst ones doesn't she (laughs) she's just like who they phone (laughs) oh we've written this really shitty mother character Mm -hmm. oh my god phone up the pro i mean because she is such a you know, phenomenally good mm. actor. She's in one of this year's uh, Oscar nominees. Oh, which one? News of the World. She's oh, a small role as a uh, woman, <laughs> Western woman, out oh, in yeah. the West. She doesn't really do that much, but I got very excited to see her because she's great. <laughs> she is great, <laughs> and uh, I really love the scene where she's telling. Sister Mary, Mary Eunice, this one story, and we see it kind of cross cuts to the actual truth of it, and just how selfish and fucked up she is, and how awful her husband is as well, and how they treat poor Pepper and then blame her for everything. It's so distressing. And but- you can tell that something's up because when when Elsa initially goes to her to say, you know, please take your sister back, mm. like um, it's time. She refuses until Elsa mentions that Pepper's actually really good at making cocktails. Yeah. And the sister's like, I love cocktails. And that's just, yeah, not a good sign of what's to come. Mm. My god. Although, you know, not to make light of a terrible, terrible character, but... The idea of just like staying in bed and drinking cocktails is not unappealing. Yeah, you just should make your own. Just... I, I do. <laughs> oh, sorry, I wasn't saying you. Sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately <I'm>... <laughs> for me, I am also very good at making cocktails. <laughs> sorry, I meant you in the like. <laughs> I know, I got it. I was making a joke. <laughs> you should make your own. <laughs> <laughs> I got Vlad to make them for me. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god! And he's like wearing a little bow tie. <laughs> Do you, have you seen those TikToks of the cat mixing the cocktails? Yes, and they're adorable. They're adorable, but it really distresses me that for some reason they like do all the crushing of anything that needs to be crushed gets crushed on top of an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna, saw, who can do that? I saw in the comments people were saying it's a cutting board shaped like an iPad, but then that just only... That's, I have more questions now. <laughs> <laughs> it made somehow more sense when it was just an iPad. It's very weird. Oh my God. And the end of the episode is kind of a, a wonderful circle because Pepper's do, like organizing some magazines in Briarcliff and she comes across Elsa on the cover of Life magazine. Which magazine was it? I think it was Life Magazine. I want to say it's Life Magazine, and it's Elsa Mars, TV's darling. Spoiler! Oh, but it's right there on the epi- It's right there on the cover. And I was saying that the it's a spoiler. The TV it spoiled us. <laughs> <laughs> the episode spoiled us. Now we know that she's going to become a TV star. I mean, well, you know, we'll have to find out. Mm. we'll have to find out how and how many Mm. more people she kills on the way (laughs) well quite how many people (laughs) does she kill to become the the 1950s version of oprah i do like the really nice sort of like grace note at the end of that where when elsa says goodbye to pepper she says if you miss me like uh like hold the kiss my kiss up to your cheek and and when she sees the magazine cover, she just holds her hand up and like caresses it against her cheek, and it's just really sweet. And, like, even though she's suffered so much, mm. she still has this like really pure memory of of Elsa because like whatever happened, mm-hmm. Elsa was the person who who saved her and and gave her like the things that she loved, her husband and and Marpeti, who. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of implied she sort of saw it as a bit of like a child, like yeah. her child in a way. Like those things all were because of Elsa, so she's always going to treasure that, and it's really, that's really sweet and sad. Um, and that's the end of the episode. Is there anything that perhaps we haven't covered that you wanted to mention? No, I think we we covered the museum as well, so I think we've got everything. Amazing. So shall we move on to our categories? What is your top quote of the episode? <laughs> it's, this is about the way that she says it, but um, Mary Eunice, when she's talking to Mayor Winningham, is, uh, she's talking about how she got pregnant, uh-huh. unexpectedly pregnant when she's older, and Mary Eunice goes, well, you're a little matured. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so she says it, matured. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I don't know that as well. That's excellent delivery. <laughs> I think my favorite one is um, when Elsa is recounting how she started working in circuses. And she's got this line, which is like, I suffered through working in the chorus line behind lesser talents. <laughs> We've heard you sing, Elsa. <laughs> yeah, we have. And... <laughs> You are not the singing star you think you are, my dude. And what about the Boma Boner 
award for the horniest moment of the episode. Just, just Desiree and and her her man, her dude. When he watches her dance with her, ah! <laughs> she's dancing topless with the tassels on her nipples. Oh, he's so in love. He's so in love. He's so smitten. It's so cute. It's, it's so really cute. Yeah, it's adorable. And what about big feels for big drama? I mean, the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> can i is that cheating i mean you know you go for it it's it's your podcast look so you can do whatever you want <laughs> oh the moon's out sorry <laughs> you see the moon. um yeah i think kind of just the whole episode because there's just it's it's all sort of one contained emotion mm. in a way and everyone's contributing to it so i don't really want to pick anyone in particular did you have someone i have one particular moment actually and it's the moment where salty and pepper see each other for the first time oh and it's just you know it's unspoken and it's so pure and it's so much it's just really really cute even with elsa's narration it's really cute (laughs) even with her yeah (laughs) nettling what about Paulson v. Paulson? Who wins in this episode? Um, Dot, because she was fully ready to punch Maggie in the face. <laughs> yes. I don't want to say I relate because I'm anti-violence, but <laughs> I relate to her frustration towards Maggie's inaction. It's a good way of covering up. <laughs> <laughs> being so diplomatic here yeah (laughs) and did you pick up any cinematic references this week not not really did you um no not not really to be honest like it's i don't know why i instantly thought of this is really bad i might cut this out i instantly thought of moulin rouge when the Maharaja came in, because he is, oh. uh, because they say the word Maharaja so much in Moulin Rouge. Did you say it a lot? <laughs> that is not a reference. <laughs> it just made me think of it. <laughs> related. Well, I guess maybe. Okay, I'm mm. maybe one. Okay. So there's the scene. There's the scene where it's Mayor Winningham's child. Uh so. They they say that he's also born with some something, mm-hmm. and there's a shot of them looking into the crib with faces of horror. Rosemary's baby. Oh, because there's that kind of final shot of that very near the end shot of Mia Farrow looking in the crib. That could be that could be a like a visual reference to it, yeah. I'm really like scraping the barrel here, but <laughs> I mean, you say scraping the barrel, I say subtle. And did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? Yes. Uh, so they Stanley is is telling um, Jimmy that he's got a great lawyer he's got a great lawyer it's the son of clarence darrow who was a real person 
um, who's famous for something called the Scopes Trial or the the Scopes Monkey Trial, <laughs> which I got really excited because I was like, oh my god, a monkey did a crime. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. not that. It's really it's much more serious it was a high school teacher john t scopes accused of violating tennessee's butler act which made it unlawful to teach human evolution in any state-funded school uh the trial was deliberately staged in order to attract publicity to the small town of dayton tennessee where it was held uh scopes was unsure whether he had ever actually taught evolution (laughs) which is weird but he incriminated himself deliberately so the case could have a defendant and so it was um yeah, it was it was a a big trial in sort of the long standing history of of American fundamentalism mm. versus just being not a crazy oppressive religious person. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Yeah, but it would have been cool if it was like this monkey had a knife. <laughs> That's what I thought it was going to be. It was like this monkey did a murder, and the I mean... monkey's on trial now. <laughs> Everything would be better if there was a monkey with a knife. But also on that note, have you seen a film called Link? This is a total digression, but it relates to the monkey with a knife. Link? Link. It's a film from the 1980s. I want to say it's uh, 86. It's it's about a super smart monkey. And let me just pitch pitch it to you like this. There is a scene where a female character is taking a shower and the door is sort of ajar and the ape, the, the, the ape, I guess is the right word, sort of comes in and there's maybe about three minutes of them just exchanging looks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it is one of the most unsettling things I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's just all down to the editing. It's beautiful because you can, like, you are projecting, like, I swear to God, that monkey was, like, looking up and down. <laughs> you, have that... to, you have to see it. It's so good. Is that, like, when you're in the bathroom and the door's kind of closed but not fully closed and then suddenly it starts opening and a little nose comes through <laughs> and it's it's your dog or cat and it just comes in and then you're like, why are you here? <laughs> you just look at each other for ages going, it's kind of my private time. <laughs> Pat, <laughs> do you want to, what did you want? <laughs> yes, but creepy because this is like a giant ape. Yeah, that would make it much creepier. I really recommend you check it out. It's like the one of uh, Terrence Stamp is in it, Elizabeth oh. Shue is in it. It's oh. actually really well directed. It's so fucking weird. Oh, okay. I'm interested. Sorry for that digression. Um, monkeys, who would you say is the MVP of this episode? I guess Stanley, right? Because he he got what he wanted, which was uh, both a head and hands. I mean, we don't <laughs> want him to win because he sucks and he's a bad person but yeah. he kind of got away with it i want to say it's elsa because she kind of also just get away get gets away with everything and eventually as as the last shot tells us it becomes successful and like you know just leaves a trail of sadness and bodies behind her that's true that's true 
I guess because she was quite torn up about Pepper. Like, do we think that she was eager to, to let Pepper go? Or was that an actual moral, morally correct decision she made? I don't think it was a morally correct decision because I don't think it was motivated by selflessness. I think it was motivated by selfishness. And like, as we've, you know, discussed many times, Elsa is, is a selfish person who thinks about herself that she's not, that she's actually doing everything for the benefit of others around her. And she's yeah. not. She's totally, entirely driven by her own self-interest, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So, I think that's it for this episode. What can we expect from next week's? In the next episode, Elsa moves to Hollywood and magic <laughs> arrives in Jupiter. Yes, I just figured out what that means. <laughs> uh, I was going to put something else in there, but I think it would have uh, been too niche. <laughs> Okay, I'll tease it by saying, think about what famous person really enjoys magic, and you can guess next week's guest star. In a totally unironic, very genuine way, loves magic. Talks Just about magic all the time. Really loves magic. <laughs> so into magic. Props to them. I also love stage magic, so. Uh, oh, okay. sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, Moving on. Oh, embarrassed you by saying I like stage magic. Uh, sorry. You know what? No, you do you. I love stage magic. I, when I lived in Edinburgh, mm. would go during the fringe. I got bored of comedy quite quickly. I'd just go see magic. <laughs> I saw so much magic. Oh my God. Isn't it always just the same thing over and over again? No, because they do different, they do different twists on it. So okay. you kind of figure out vaguely what the trick is, but there's okay. always a little, like, flair. It's about the flair. It's about the flair. Yeah, I got okay. to hold a magic chihuahua. It was great. Wait, what's a magic chihuahua? It was... This <laughs> is a real... Is it a chihuahua? Is it a chihuahua in a little magic magician's hat? No, it's in a little dragon suit. People who have, this guy was on America's Got Talent, I think. He's a guy who dresses up as a dragon. And he's got a little chihuahua who's also dressed as a dragon. And they do magic together. (laughs) And I I got to hold the chihuahua. I'm not going to lie. I have just Googled it. I have seen it. I respect it. Cute little. There is also someone painted a painting of this little chihuahua whose name is Piff. Piff the yes. magic dragon? No, Piff is the man's name. Oh, okay. I can't remember what the chihuahua is called. This chihuahua is photogenic Piffles. as fuck. Piffles! Oh my god, that's Mr. perfect. Mr. Piffles is the chihuahua. The dog who knows! <laughs> He's great. What's really funny about the chihuahua is that... Like, I think I saw this guy multiple times and the chihuahua is just like zoned out at <laughs> all times wow <laughs> you could just like dribble it like a basketball and <laughs> it would not react <laughs> i do love those type of dogs it had tapped out of life <laughs> just <laughs> like i'm done i'm just gonna i'm just gonna passively <laughs> let things happen to me because <laughs> i don't care anymore which i relate to 
we need to wrap it up because I have a busy evening ahead googling this chihuahua. We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Freak Show. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at The Next Supremes Pod. Also, I'm at Clarice Lou. And I'm at Anna B. Demented. This episode was not sponsored by Piff the Magic Dragon. Sadly. Sadly. Piff falls. If, if he does want to sponsor us. Please reach out. Please reach out. Oh my god. I'm going to do nothing else except Google it pictures and videos of this little chihuahua <laughs> he's so cute I he is adorable a picture with him somewhere. oh my god yes <gasps> and what happened is that i was on stage with the dog and <gasps> the fire alarm went off <gasps> and everyone started walking away and for a moment i was like this dog's mine now <laughs> <laughs> the and perfect like, crime started walking off to the fire exit and i think like the manager came over and was like oh we'll take him off you and i was like you don't have to <laughs> But they did leave me with a half-opened tin of dog food, which was part of the magic trick. There was a card inside of the dog food. <laughs> magic. Magic. And I swear.